Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it, you can hug it, you can, um, I don't know, you can do whatever else. But you can just just tell people that you're listening to this damn thing. Listen, we do appreciate you sharing the product and telling someone about the show. We are growing, and it's very exciting to see all of you doing all of our work for us, which is wonderful. But... Sure. Um, we live way too online and way too attached to our phone, so I'm not sure hugging it is the advice I would Hug give your to, phone. to all of you. Um, I think you need to put that shit down, but that's just my opinion. Uh, you can still have the earbuds in while you put your phone down, by the way, and use Quit two talking hand- to my wife and use two hands to do something with your life because that's how you put your phone down and still listen to lamestream sports from the 440 Sports Network. Brought to you by Jasper's. Always brought to you by the good people. At Jasper. If you have children, folks, the best advertisement for the hit in the history of Jasper's is coming up in, in, in a little while in the show. The best if you if you have children. If you don't have children, uh, uh, you know, whatever. That's your choice. God bless you. But if you have children, I'm telling you, I got a story you need to hear. OK, I, 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 I'm taking this ad off, I take it. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Beagles not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> on the patio maybe but not in the game room not, not in the in, game room not in the restaurant so go to uh, jasper's you really do, you don't really don't want runner on the patio either go go to jasper's everybody the parking is free the food is amazing they are the next evolution of the sports bar and i'm telling you if you're a parent you need to listen to what i'm going to tell you okay all right so uh max hers our guest on the show who basically even when i asked him like what do you want to be called he basically is like and you'll hear this in the interview he's like I'm just kind of everything. <laughs> like he doesn't. He he obviously works for 1025 The Game. He is uh, the official fill-in for Pete Weber for the Nashville Predators for radio uh, on the broadcast. He's worked for ESPN Plus. He's worked for Vanderbilt Sports, Learfield, IMG. Of course, is the, if you don't know anything about the back end contracts between colleges and their broadcast networks, a lot of them do not own their own broadcast. They're outsourced to a couple of different companies. So he's basically worked in every single job in the market. Um, I've, I've had a chance to to know him. Uh, for a couple of years now, worked with him a little bit. I think we crossed over when I was at the game and just consummate professional, very, very nice young guy, extremely smart, very hardworking. And I think you're here. You'll hear all of that in the interview with him coming up. Great. You have anything to add, Steve? No, you have no comments about you, Max hers. You took all of them. I mean, Max is a Max is a delightful young man. He, he is. And he is very young. OK, um, but but yes, you okay, can. So. So I took it all because I was going to try to be positive before you do some negative stuff here before Max's interview. So just hang on, hang on. So coming up afterward, we're going to dive into some play-by-play teams, kind of do a temp check for as we round into the NFL playoffs, we wrap up the college football season. I want to do a temp check on how we feel the top broadcast teams have done in both the NFL and college football and just see where your heads are at on that one, Steve. So we'll do that a little bit later on. Uh, some recommendations as well. And then, of course, our awesome conversation with a delightful young man, Max Hers. Um but 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 first the negativity, Steve, t- the floor is yours. <laughs> so let's talk baseball. <laughs> so oh, God. Our, our good friends at uh, our good friends at uh, Music City Baseball, the Nashville Stars, put out a press release last week, which everybody bit on because they brought that they brought Donnie Baseball into the into the fold, and which is fine. Although I mean. You want to get my attention? You want to get a former sound in there? Call me when you get Steve by by Balboni, okay? I, you know, Donnie Baseball was here for a summer. Balboni, Balboni is 
true 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 sounds fans are 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 balboni people but um there's just all sorts of just stupid shit floating around uh, everybody got everybody lost their minds here last week when they when the USA today uh national baseball guy tweeted out that you know Nashville was high on the list of of expansion and this, this is where the league wants to go and whatever else and then he sort of linked that to to music city baseball and then that people were tweeting out over the uh, uh, earlier this week that the angelos brothers are fighting again in in uh in uh baltimore Bal- and baltimore, so maybe yeah. maybe ultimately we get the orioles here and uh, linking sure why not sure why not i mean whatever oh god this is my favorite thing we do on the show I, <laughs> there's just it, it, when you call me when you have a billionaire in a stadium plan and, and and not just like, hey, we'd love this plot of land in uh, in North Nashville. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> call, call call me when you call me when you've got any and all of that. Otherwise, just stop writing these goddamn stories. We have a plan and a deal to build a baseball stadium in North Nashville. Maybe <laughs> there's a uh, maybe. there's a great there, there's a great scene in in the movie High Fidelity uh, where John Cusack's character's girlfriend has left him. And she's she's li- she's now living uh, with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, married to Susan Sarandon, Nuke Lelouch. Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Oh God, Tim Robbins. Yeah, and and, and he is imagining. <laughs> he's so good. He's he's imagining <laughs> his character like, is so good. What is happening in happening between them? And he says, <laughs> "There's no one in the world having greater sex than they are in my mind." And. <laughs> And, and 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 that is music city baseball there's no there's no <laughs> there is no greater organization quick, quick top five records to listen to when dreaming about baseball coming to nashville <laughs> quick i, I just I, I i'm i'm so i'm so oh over God. this this damn thing anyway so there was a headline on the there was a headline on the athletic um that basically said like uh, you know dave stewart and you know nashville you know ownership group attempting to make music city a destination and just so that you know like how I, I don't know. Non-serious is not the right word, but just how kind of silly the whole thing is. Like that article is literally right next to on the athletic homepage another article that says <laughs> MLB expansion. Why not Portland? Question <laughs> mark. That's literally those two articles are almost literally next to each other on the athletic website. It is such. Now I will admit that expansion movement of franchises, college or pro, like it is catnip for the internet. You got to admit that. Oh, uh, oh, it is. I mean, it's like it's like you know, uh, it's like pre-draft coverage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you're wish you're just wish casting things, you know, wish casting players onto your team. So basically, Nash- thing- Nash- Nashville is the Malik Willis of MLB destinations. <laughs> is what you're yes, saying. I fear I fear Nashville would be the Malik Willis of yeah, yeah, destinations yeah. if we ended up with one. All right. Do you feel better now? Are you Are you okay? I, I don't. But but thanks um so yeah anyway so basically baseball. uh until i i don't i'm not sure how many times we've said this on the show um but it is my favorite thing you do capital b billionaire uh and money for a stadium and a location for a stadium and an agreement for major league baseball if you have all of those things then we can begin to discuss what major league baseball would look like in nashville otherwise don't take the bait folks i think is our advice here on the pod don't take you, it's fine it's bait. fine to just read the press release in your inbox 
You don't have to write about it. You can just read it there to yourself. <laughs> that is directed at a select few of you that are obviously not listening to this show. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, a delightful young man, a guy who's basically done almost everything there is to do. And I think is uh, got a really great career ahead of him. And at 20 years old is already filling in for Pete Weber, uh, by the way, who is doing wonderfully and great uh, recovering from the, the surgery that, that kept him out for a couple of games back on the uh, air, back on the air, doing games as of, I believe, the Calgary game over the weekend. So uh, just great to have Pete back. One of the best voices in the history of national sports. And uh, Max has done and to, to fill in for that guy is is an, an incredibly difficult job, um, considering all the one liners that Pete will throw at you in like a single shift of ice time. And uh, Max, I think has done an excellent job uh, and you'll learn all about his career and, and uh, how to do basically, you know, girls, high school basketball games when they don't win one time. Uh, and then also national predators, overtime game winners. So you hear everything in between. Here was our conversation with Max hers. Max, great to have you on the show, man. How are you? Welcome and good morning. It's so great to be on with you guys. I've been a listener since I think the beginning, way back in the beginning. So it's great to be here. Uh, so what should we officially call you? Like just like like play by play broadcaster for all things in Nashville, just Predators <laughs> road games. Like what exactly? What exactly would you like your title to be on the show today? I think. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's uh, quite early in the morning, and my voice is gone, as you can tell. But. I think my favorite title is everything and everything that I've gotten to do and a lot of on-air stuff, a lot of off-air stuff, including college. I will have been here for 10 years coming up at the end of this summer, which I never would have expected. But having been in Nashville for that long and having gotten to do so many different things for so many different people between on-air, off-air, TV, radio, digital, five different sports, pro teams, college teams, high school sports. Uh, I'm so I'm so pleased with the variety of everything I've always been able to do, both on a long term basis and like even in a short term basis, calling different games and doing off air things within a single week and having that much variety. So I'm I'm more than happy keeping it that way for as long as it takes. I love it. Let me let me ask let me ask the question this way. It's it's tax season or it's about to be tax season because <laughs> everybody's sending out their 1099s right now, or at least I'm sending them out, out to all our freelancers. How many 1099s do you have? And like like how many are like are like putting together like kind of like what you make <laughs> in a year right now? Because because the life of a broadcaster, unless you're, you know, Jim Nance or whatever else, is about hustle and about, you know, like putting together like a whole bunch of gigs. So what is what what's everything that's going into what's going into the taxes this year? Well, the the hardest part of those types of things is like the places that only paid me once, whether it was <laughs> like I got a call for a freelance like and this is something that actually happened this year. Hey, can you run the score bug for Arizona Cardinals preseason broadcast at tight? It's like this is something that only exists for home preseason games and whoever the crewing. <laughs> partner is that crewed the Arizona Cardinals truck for that game got my information from wherever everybody's information is together for Nashville freelancers and I ran the score bug for the Arizona Cardinals preseason broadcast which was a blast but I got paid by some company that I've never heard of for it and now I get mail from them once a month like do you want to sign up for our health plan and <laughs> I mean I would I, I don't think I'd be qualified after running the score bug for the Cardinals preseason game but it's stuff like that like 
I, I think that's the hardest part of it. But the the people who I work for consistently make it easy for me to track down despite how many places I am. Well, that means we know now that Arizona Scorebud bug pays more than five hundred dollars a year because because that's the only way you have to file for a ten ninety nine, right? Is if you make more than a certain amount. So now we know you're making the big bucks off the Arizona Scorebug. I got all that Scorebug cash. <laughs> it was uh, it was out of Kyler Murray's contract. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, all, all right. So, 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 so there, how many so how many different places are you working right now? I mean, what 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 are all the things that you've done like in the last year? So. <clears throat> for the for the broadcast work that I do, that's for the Predators. And then everything I've always done at 1025 is still through 1025. And then I still work with Vanderbilt quite a bit, mostly in a TV production off-air capacity with some fill-in TV work as well. And when I did radio for Vanderbilt, which I have not done in the last year, that was technically through Learfield IMG College. So even the places and the teams that I work for, there are entities within that are kind of different. Let, let's go. Uh, let, let, let's go to the very beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. How you how you get to Nashville? Um, obviously, you've gotten to do so much stuff as you've alluded to at a, at a pretty young age and pretty quickly in your career. How did you end up coming to Nashville? Why Nashville? And was play by play specifically always? sort of the the trade that you wanted to to do within this broadcast world of a million different options? So I, I came to Nashville to go to Vandy in fall 2013. And I did not know that I wanted to work in sports media nor sports broadcasting. And if I did, I probably would have gone somewhere else just because Vanderbilt doesn't have an academic program for it. Obviously, we know all the people that you guys have interviewed and the others who aren't in Nashville as well, who have gone to Vandy and gone into sports writing, sports broadcasting, other related fields <clears throat> without having a degree in it. And my degree is in communications at large, which is not necessarily the type of communications that I'm doing every day. But the student media, the access to the teams is so great that it enables people like me to be able to have real world experience, which is, in, in my opinion, in most ways, better than practical formal training. And it certainly helped me out in that regard. But I did not know. I knew I wanted to work in sports. I thought maybe more on the business side of sports. But I honestly hadn't thought about it too hard. <clears throat> and I got directed to sports broadcasting almost immediately in college. I was working for the athletic department, doing game day stats keeping. And then also for the at the time, new student talk radio station, Vandy Radio, which had just launched. And they famously, Steve may have been in on this story, when Vanderbilt sold the FM license for WRVU to take them off the air, the money from that sale created Vandy Radio because they'd wanted to make a talk station for a long time. And I was basically able to, to create and grow the sports part of that station from midway through my freshman year on. And Kind of the big day we realized we had an impact was the day that Derek Mason was hired as the head coach in January 2014. We already kind of had a block scheduled and we hopped on air and just talked about it for two hours, basically live reaction right after the press conference. And we really felt like we were making some traction. So that was kind of a breakthrough moment. Like that was the first time it felt real. And at that point, I kind of already knew that I was fitting in with it well. So the next year, the SEC network started. I got to be the sideline, <clears throat> excuse me, sideline reporter. 
for Vandy Baseball on SEC Network Plus. And I'm sorry, my voice is just not great in the mornings. <laughs> but um, so that was a big opportunity with another new outlet. And a lot of onus was put on the schools to produce all of that. Um, but to answer the last part of your original question, I, I knew I would want to do play by play. And I got some fill in opportunities with it. And then by my sophomore year, we were stu- doing play by play on Vandy Radio for Vanderbilt soccer and lacrosse, which was a lot of fun. And um, I mean, it, it never Did had you ever call the be. soccer game before that. No. Well, it was, it was the first games I had called, period. The, <laughs> the first the first game I called was we did one trial run lacrosse game at the end of my freshman year. And then after that, it was soccer. And I think I kind of called it like hockey. Um, <laughs> and I loved it. I love calling soccer. But uh, John John Freeman describes my soccer play-by-play style as American, which I think is an amazing <laughs> God, how are you going to take that shade from Jay? Come on, man. That, that's Come on, Freeman. That's what are you doing, man? Um, all right. So obviously, from that point, you've already kind of alluded to all the different gigs you've had. You, you've done... What high school football? You've done high school basketball. Um, you did a you did a year of Portland high school basketball, right? Sumner County basketball. How was that place to be? <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting because I was mostly with Portland. It was just kind of a they have a station up there that's connected to some of the folks I know at WNSR, and they were looking for somebody to do it. It, it lined up with most of my schedule, pretty much just Tuesdays and Fridays, but uh, just kind of kind of bouncing into one of the really furthest away high schools in that whole area from where I actually live. Yeah, the road high... games were all, yeah, the road games were all closer than the home games because all the home, all the, all, all, the, the, all the road games were, were here in town, weren't they? Well, they were all, yeah, they were all in either Sumner County or Wilson County. They were with all the big Sumner and Wilson schools at that point. So uh, it was, it was enjoyable. The team I was with was the worst team in the district in both boys and girls. But uh, I had I want to give a big shout out to my man, James Parker, who had been a coach there for a long time. And his daughter was a senior on the basketball team. And he had given up coaching for that year to watch his daughter play every game. And he already knew he was going to be at every game and wanted to try broadcasting. So he became my color guy. And we had a lot of fun together announcing all his daughter's game. Maybe it was her junior year. It may not have been her senior year, but we had a great time together. And he also like learned how to engineer and saved me a huge step by getting <laughs> the equipment at the radio station in Portland and oh, bringing wow. it down to all the road games. So he, by the time I got there every game, even if it were an hour before, however early it would all be plugged in and running. So I think he did it for at least one year after the one year I did it, but yeah, that was, that was enjoyable. And and same as the high school football game of the week I do on TV. It's just, it's great to see every community and get a real sense of being in the heart of these local communities. And through basketball, I kind of got to see a different, more kind of indoor side of it, if you want to put it more literally. But it's almost a different feel than football, but you get a feel for a different portion of the community. What, what do you learn? First of all, I, I can't imagine asking your color analyst to be totally objective when his child is on the floor. <laughs> like that seems, that seems virtually impossible as a father. I, I don't know how I would do that. Um, what do you learn about the art of broadcasting when you are broadcasting a, let's say, lower in the standings high school basketball game that you know is not necessarily drawing a huge audience? Like, what do you learn about 
honing the craft? What are you able to work on? Yeah, well, I will give James a shout out because his name's James Parker. His daughter was Sammy Parker. And he got to the point where he did refer to her as Parker, which I thought was very <laughs> All right. hilarious. So it took him a little, but like that's that's on, as Parker. highest as you could ask him to get. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't <laughs> screaming at her. Don't worry. Get in the but, game, um, Parker. <laughs> I uh, I kind of always in games like that, it, it gives me more of an excuse to step back, be less moment to moment, and kind of have more fun with it too. So I think some combination of those things. And if you feel like you do those things well in a game like that, they can also come into bigger games and bigger moments and have some real utility for you. All right. How do you feel the night before you're supposed to fill in for Pete Weber the first time? What was this a year ago? What what is going yeah. through your what is going through your head when you get that call and you're like, oh, hey, we need you to come do this? Um and all of a sudden you're broadcasting a Nashville Predators hockey game. So the biggest thing the night before was I was watching the Avs, who we were about to play here, play the Kraken. So I was very happy that they played the night before because I got to watch that entire game live and make sure I had everybody's name and number down. And my whole thought process going in was just, I'm not going to worry about any filler, like any big stat that I could bring. Like, I just want to make sure I know everybody's name and number because I know I'm not going to be able to look down at my notes. Like, I I just needed to make sure I knew the lines, names and numbers, what to expect, just kind of flow things, just making sure there, there wasn't anything I was glossing over in terms of what I'd have to think about. I'd produced so many broadcasts with Pete and Hal editing highlights back at the radio station that I knew that with Hal, I didn't need to give anything other than who has the puck, where's the puck, what's the score, and what's the person with the puck doing. And I knew that Hal would absolutely fill in the rest, and I still feel that way broadcasting games with Hal now. Every single, <clears throat> every single big factoid I could give or fun background piece, it better be really good because every single extra thing I give is one less unique observation we get from Hal. So I felt as if, if I could just get the true play-by-play parts of it and just keep it that simple, not that that's simple, but keep it simple from a nuts and bolts play-by-play standpoint, I would have everything I needed. So, and, and it was, it was easier to prepare too, because I'm used to preparing for college baseball teams where I maybe know anything real about three or four players coming in. And at this point, like, <clears throat> I I know everything there is to know about Nathan McKinnon. Like, there. But the thing is, the listeners do too. So, like, what am I going right, to say that they don't right. know? Like, it it was an easier prep job for a couple of reasons because of things like that. What about the the actual phone call? Like, your boss calls you, or and I don't know who it is that calls you, but they call you and they say, "We need you to do this." You you have the conversation. You say, "Of course, absolutely." You hang up the phone. Like, get try to tell me the emotion that's going through your head after that phone call so the, there was this the game i announced was on a tuesday night january 11th 2022 and the first the first contact was the saturday afternoon uh chase mccabe called me i could not answer because i was running the score bug for a vandy basketball game and i text him uh i think he just said like i'll call you at halftime or something and he just texted me and said uh, Pete has COVID. They were in Arizona. It was their last game of road trip. 
Uh, Pete has COVID. One of our options for tonight is you calling the game off of a TV at the radio station. And I would have been down to do it. I'm kind of happy it wasn't that way. I would have rather do a first game in person. They ended up just playing the TV audio over the radio that night. And then the next day, um, Chase called me to tell me that I was going to get to do at least the next two, which were the two I did. And after that, Bill Wickett, the Preds chief marketing officer, who at that point I had never met before, who was the person who approved it. So I give Bill Bill a ton of thanks and respect for all he's done for me in the last year, but especially for for giving me that first green light, just having watched a reel and talked to Chase and trusting Chase. Uh, he called me after just to kind of give me some more details of it. And uh, at that point, I think I probably canceled work shifts three other places was the first thing I did that were coming <laughs> up in the next week. Um, and then just kind of went in on the, all that for the next four days. And at the end of it, I was absolutely spent. And ironically enough, I ended up getting COVID the next week, which is the only time that <laughs> I've had uh, confirmed COVID. Maybe I had in the beginning and didn't know, but um, yeah, so it was, the the first game, it, it was absolutely the best day of my life. It was unbelievable. I owe the hockey gods something huge because I got an unbelievable game, home win over the Avs, five four in overtime. So uh, the the magnitude of that was was unbelievable in every way. And uh, just like everything else I've gotten to do, I I still can't believe it happened. And I honestly try not to think about it too hard because of that. Did you have time to even think about like what does a game winning call sound like because you got an overtime win? I mean, no, not at all. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I really never plan calls unless I have some sort of really good one liner that I like, and I wasn't going to use one in that type of scenario. But no, I hadn't thought about it all, and the, the only one that kind of snuck up on me was the first call because it came like two and a half minutes into the game and I was really happy with my call but like I was just so thinking about like where's the puck going like I'm doing this I've been doing this for four shifts like <laughs> <laughs> that the puck went in and I was like oh I gotta go into goal mode I just didn't expect it to come two and a half minutes in but uh no I mean I got to call nine goals and i was kind of excited on some of the abs goals too, whether or not I should have been because they were great goals. Like Nathan McKinnon scored an unbelievable goal in that game against the Preds. Kale McCarr scored an unbelievable goal in that game against the Preds. So uh, it was, it was so many ups and downs. There were no lulls in the game, which I think is, is something that really helped me. Can, can you treetop each sport? Um, let, let's say they're all on kind of the same level in terms of size, right? Like, I'm not <clears throat> suggesting that they're all professional, but let's say it's college basketball, college baseball, college football, college hockey, like try to put them all kind of in somewhat of an equivalent, um, sort of size standpoint here. Give me a quick tree top on like the thing you got to know about each sport, what makes them different when you broadcast them. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, man. I don't even know which sport to start with, but uh, can you can you rephrase the question, Brayden? So, just to make sure so I'm answering the right there's way. A, there's a different there's a different kind of style, right? To to soccer, football, basketball, hockey, and and ba- like the five major <clears throat> ones. We'll include soccer in there, baseball, and you've done kind of almost all of them, uh, right? You you mentioned calling soccer. Yeah, I'm just yeah. curious. I'm curious about the actual broadcast style, delivery, technique. I'm not asking you to go into like extreme detail here, but I just want are there like sort of 
treetop 10,000 foot views of each one of these sports that that you need to make sure like how different are they all when you go, when you sit down to to do a broadcast is there something specific about each one that you're like no when soccer scores and we're at home I need to lay back a little bit let the crowd do the work like wh- where where are some of those differences for each one of those those sports that you've called so I think for football I have tried to almost model a lot of my football TV play by play after Joe Buck which is nothing more than name of who has the ball and how it got to them. And the rest just kind of takes care of itself. Like I, I had a bad habit when I first started doing football TV play by play, where I would say like over the middle or down the right sideline, things like that, that just don't necessarily need to be said, especially when we have good crowds at most of these high school games and there is crowd noise to kind of carry it. So I, I think that's a big one in terms of, letting the game breathe in football, which I think is more of a baseball thing that people think about. Um, I I think baseball deserves more play-by-play, even on TV. And this is something that I heard from Dave Fleming from ESPN and the Giants a while ago in, in an interview, is that if every single pitch in baseball were called as if it were a football play, Baseball broadcasting would be a lot better. And I've treated baseball like that quite a bit, especially on the radio. But on TV, I think I think TV baseball deserves a little more radio style for baseball. And I think for college, with the variety in pitch selection, the variety in pitch location, the variety in shifts, the amount of crazy stuff that could happen on any pitch in a Vanderbilt baseball game, good or bad, <laughs> I think it deserves a lot of like breakdown of moment to moment. So I always kind of enjoyed that part of baseball play by play. Uh, I think for hockey, the thing I've learned is that you can skip stuff on the radio sometimes and it's in a good way. Like it's about choosing what to skip. Cause like, if you were to watch my hockey radio play by play with TV, it may not always sync up 100%, but when I need to get onto the leading part of the play, when I'm writing the headline of that moment, even if it's just on a transition, I'm there, even if I had to skip something before to get there. So that was something that I kind of went through in my first game and I didn't have to battle it or anything, but it's just like, Oh, I I need to make sure I'm not getting behind. And that was how I didn't get behind. Uh, Basketball, basketball is the sport. I kind of feel the, I don't know if the least strongly about in my play by play is the right way to put it, but I just feel like other people are better than me at it. Like if that's a fair thing to say, Um, I don't think I'm bad at it, but uh, I uh, I'm trying to think what my main point for basketball would be. I think just hit, hit the high moments really hard just because there's so many points. Like you can't max out on every single layup and drive, but make sure the big dunks get the big call and a three gets a big call. And whenever you get down to the end, those get big calls. So um and then soccer in my American style, which I will not back down from. And I, I think it was partially a compliment because, I mean, John is kind of the same way because he yeah. loves John Strong and like yep. Strong is the American player. And I love John Strong, too. But um, I think for soccer, I, I like calling it more like hockey, as I said. I think it deserves more. Play. I think soccer. I don't know. I feel like it should be a bigger radio sport. Like there was no, there was no radio for the world cup. Like how is there not national American radio? So 
I know. I, know. Well, I think it should be more of a radio sport. Well, and and it's interesting. Soccer and hockey are like if you if you if you want a color analyst to have a job in the game, <laughs> you you have to find moments to even when the the play is still happening. You have to find like there are down times in every other sport. There's no downtime yeah. really in soccer and hockey, especially soccer, where literally the game never stops other than like an injury. So you have to find moments where the balls come back into you. It's almost like the defensive zone, right? Like if you're in your, if you have possession of, of, of the puck or the ball in soccer or hockey in your own zone, is that where you let, is that like a, a key, a trigger to let the play-by-play guy jump in with a, a, strat- a strategic observation of some sort? <clears throat> yeah. And that's, that's where Hal has really helped me a lot because he, he told me, I think after the second or third game we did together this year, like, Hey, when the puck's in the neutral zone or like puck's locked up in the neutral zone, like I got it. You don't need to do every single play by play at that moment. And it's made our broadcast so much better. So, and I think, I think soccer, it's more obvious, like when you're going in and out of that moment, like somebody's yeah. going to wind up and boot the ball once we're getting out of that moment. Whereas in hockey, either team could generate a chance out of that moment instantly. So it's about, it's about knowing what's most important in that moment to decide who's going to talk. And also your analysts knowing when to hand it back to you, which Hal is really good at. Lamestream sports is a podcast about national sports media and business. And it is hosted by Steve Cavendish of the national banner. Sign up for good journalism, nationalbanner.com. And it is brought to you by Jasper's. Brought to you by the fine folks at Jasper's, which, by the way, shout out to uh, Max Goldberg, uh, uh, owner of a different uh, restaurant group uh, here in town. He and his brother Ben own uh, on a bunch of restaurants you might have, you might have uh, you might have been to. Uh, had his first uh, had he and his wife had their first child. Child's name is Jasper. I named after. Deb Paquette's dog. Yes. I'm sure that, that was it. That is how much other restaurants respect <laughs> Jasper's Four Top Hospitality and Deb Paquette. Okay? Because I didn't know where the hell you were going with that. <laughs> right at the beginning of the ad for Jasper's, Steve. For Jasper's, the restaurant. The restaurant is Jasper's. It's on West End. Parents, no free shouts. No free parents, shouts. Listen to me, parents. I'm telling you. Listen to me. I, My wife and I... And, and shout out to uh, uh, listener Jonathan Howe, of course, who is an avid listener of the Gold Standard and um, uh, proud, proud supporter of 440 Sports. W- w- listen, he he takes his kids like on Sundays to Jasper's. And because the game room is so evolved and so spectacular and because my children are now just old enough that I can trust them out of my line of sight, they are six and four. We oh yeah nope 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 this is the beauty of Jasper's this is what Jasper's does to you mm. we went to we went to Jasper we go to, we we've been doing this now for a little while we go to Jasper's Sunday afternoon you got two for one beers you got you, great specials on Sundays right but you go in the afternoon we were watching some playoff football right the wife and I were watching some playoff football the girls ate their their burgers and their fries tornado fries delicious of course we we ordered a couple things that just kept coming to the table. I'm not sure we saw our children for ch- like 30 minute chunks of time. And no, we weren't doing bad parenting. They were just so entertained by the entire game room that we sat and had an entire meal 
at a pretty decent restaurant. Like we're not, this is not some like, this is not like, like go out on the playground at some garbage, you know, that, is that, that's the new tagline Jasper's. It's pretty decent, pretty good restaurant. Uh, there's just not many restaurants where you can get a really good meal and they'll also babysit your children for you. Uh, it's just, it was extraordinary. They, the, they went into the other room, they played air hockey, they played skee-ball. I got to work on my daughter's form on skee-ball. I was like, I've never been less proud of her. Like the, I was like, where's your athletic ability, honey? Wow. Like, I know, I know you're a better athlete than this. We've got to work on your form. You roll the ball. Okay. We played a full game of shuffleboard and I'm proud to report that the wife and I beat the six and four year old, uh, like 21, 16, but they both loved it. Fell in love with shuffleboard. Now we're trying to figure out how to get one at home, which is not cheap. I'm just telling you, you can go to Jasper's, eat a full meal, watch a football game with your significant other, and not have to babysit your children the entire time and tell them to sit down and be quiet and behave. And, you know, like you're in a restaurant, you're in public, all this other stuff. No. So they just just went in there and they just played shit and it was great. So, as the non breeder on this podcast, (laughs) um, You're just foisting your children off on other people? Well, no, they're they have their own minds. They can go like they can go control themselves. Like they're actually I, quite productive and, members of society. I know you I know you think six and four. Oh no, they can't leave the game room. Like if they left the game room, I don't know what would happen, but <laughs> they don't want to leave the game room. They just sit right in there and they play their games. I we it, we ate we ate an appetizer, a, a pizza, and a and like an entree. And I think they came back to the table one time to like finish off the, to polish off the fries and uh, grab their waters and went ba- right back into the game room. Jasper's where Braden Gall's children may be running wild all around you. Take no, just in one room. Take your kids to Jasper's. Let them have fun. You can enjoy a meal with your significant other in peace and quiet. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Go to Jasper's. The bang bang nature of hockey really does really makes it unique. It, it is it, it is a good hockey radio calls are f- absolutely fascinate me because you have you have to sort of paint this picture and there's so many touches. There, there's so there's so much action on the ice and it can go and it can go it, like you like you said it can it can reverse really really quickly and you have to be on top of it. I'm I'm interested that there's a, there's a couple things going on out there in the professional ranks right now. Uh, it, MLS uh, signs this deal with Apple, and one of the things they're going to allow is home radio calls over the over the broadcast feed. Uh, Google um, just just got the got the rights to Sunday Ticket, and there's some talk of there's some talk of doing some version of that uh, with Sunday Ticket feeds. Uh, as a way to kind of attract uh, as a way to kind of attract home fans to the to that audience i, I think it's all going to be run through i think youtube tv uh I, what do you think of that i mean because because radio and tv do are, are doing different things but but i think fans have a more visceral reaction to radio calls i mean i know i i know i have a much i have a much stronger affiliation or, or affinity, I should say, for for Mike Keith's radio calls for the Titans than I do any of the slubs that that you know from the C and D teams that could keep getting sent to Titans uh, games from the networks. <laughs> what what do you, how do you think that's going to work? Yeah, I, I think it would be great. Uh, I think it would be great for college sports too. And 
MLB TV always did a really good good job with that. The sync was always right. You could choose either team's radio, match it up with TV, and I would do that quite a bit. Um, I I would love for uh, ESPN Plus to do that with NHL since that's now the streaming option and that's where I watch almost all of my hockey and it's been such a great thing for the league because I, I was never an NHL TV or a center ice subscriber. I never felt the need to be. But now that it's on ESPN Plus, I'm watching tons of games with tons of teams. And it, it's it's been so great for the league. I think the league is in an amazing place. But I think that would be a great addition to that. And uh, I didn't know they were thinking about that for Sunday Ticket. I heard about the new deal. But that that honestly would entice me further to get it. I've never had Sunday Ticket either. But, no, I think it would be amazing. And uh, I think at some point it, it may be the thing that entices teams to keep a radio broadcast. if there is a league component to it. Like there, there are two NHL teams that don't have radio broadcasts or actually there might be three. I think there are three and they just play the TV audio, which I know the predators did for a very long time, but at some point they realized a, our fans deserve two broadcasts and our fan base is big enough that we should have an exclusive radio broadcast and B that that's a revenue source for us. And I think if the league gets involved in it more formally, that, that would really solidify the role that radio has in sports, even as terrestrial radio itself supposedly becomes less of a factor for these teams. But yeah, no, I'm I'm all for all of that and more well, of it. Well, and not to insult those three teams, but they TV and radio are not, in fact, the same thing. Uh, just <laughs> want to want to point that out. Um, what did you learn uh, aside from dirty jokes? What did you learn from Pete Weber? <laughs> uh, Pete, Pete never turns off the fun switch on the broadcast, which is great. And I think just filling in, like it would be weird. Well, it would be weird for two. It would be weird if I wasn't being myself and it would be weird if the tone of the broadcast completely changed based on who the play-by-play guy was. And I feel like we kept the same tone. And a lot of that is the consistency of Hal also, even though Hal's only doing road games now, but um, those guys, I, Thomas Willis said this to me, who used to write for the Preds website, those guys broadcast like nobody's listening and they're doing it to entertain themselves. And I think that is so awesome that you can do a game, do it professionally and do it well, but have that much fun. And I, I think when there's not being fun had, you also feel that. And when I've been in the booth, either with somebody new or just in a situation where I feel like I, I'm not comfortable making a joke, maybe I almost feel boxed into the serious mode and like, I'm not cracking jokes every two minutes, but that was the biggest thing I picked up from Pete beyond the obvious. He's really good at play by play and knows everything that ever happened in hockey thing. And, and the world was, and the world <laughs> at large and probably the universe was that um, there there's never there's never a bad time for a laugh. And that as long as you know, it'll work. Don't be afraid to drop something in because I, I used to be a little bit timid to do that. And if you don't do it like like many things in broadcasting, if you don't use the thing you have in the one moment you have to use it, it's not going to come back. When, uh, when when you got the call a few weeks ago that Pete uh, Pete had taken ill and that and you had to hop into uh, you, you had to hop into the booth really quickly, um, 
what was your what kind of setup did you have? I mean, uh, and how much how much warning did you have? And then you had to get to go to Canada quickly, didn't you? Yeah. So I was told over the summer when I became the radio host that if Pete were to miss any games or take any games off, that I would be the one filling in for him, which was great and very reassuring. I did not expect one it to happen. I did not expect to take any games. I did not expect Pete to miss any games. I just knew that if he did, I would be the one doing it. Didn't expect him to miss any. Didn't expect him to miss any early in the season. And also didn't expect him to miss any out of necessity. And that's basically what happened. He he went on the first two trips with the team and, and decided it was not in his best interest to be traveling until he could get a prognosis of what exactly was wrong, which thankfully eventually happened. And he had the procedure this week and it, seems to be 100% corrected immediately, which is what we expected with the procedure, but it's amazing news. And he actually had to miss a home game when he was really having some trouble staying on his feet. The last game of October against the Capitals, I found out afternoon of that I'd be doing play-by-play for that game, and <laughs> I was already planning on hosting the game, so I, I was planning to be here and planning to be part of our broadcast, but I did that. And then at that point, I actually already knew that I would be going on the next road trip even before I found out I was doing that home game. So it was five games, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, and Denver. So it was being thrown right into my first ever road trip with a pro sports team. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Five very different places, obviously. The only one of those cities that I'd ever been to before was Seattle. I'd never been to a game at any of those five arenas. But it, it was awesome to be there, and we had a lot of fun. We got to go to Lake Louise on the off day in Calgary, which was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in person. Me, Hal, Lindsey Rowley, and our TV director, John Tackett, went, and uh, it was unbelievable. We drove out through the mountains from the city through the snow in the morning, and it snowed all night. So when we got there, the lake was covered in snow, and then the sun came out. So we got a snow covered lake under the sun and then got to drive back. All the fog that we drove through had cleared and we got to see all the mountains that lined the highway back to Calgary. So uh, that's it was an unbelievable trip, hockey wise and sightseeing wise. And I think I ended up going to 20 different games, which which was unbelievable. And I'll be going with the team to St. Louis this week. And then after that. Uh, we'll see how well Pete is and able to travel by the time the next road game comes up next month. So certainly if you've been around any sport for 15, 20, 30 years and you're broadcasting, there are these little little lines you can throw in that are references to you know a historical moment or a part of a building or a part of a city that sort of paint a picture of, of what's taking place in that moment. That that can happen with experience. That, that, that can only happen with experience. <laughs> But do you find it? Did you find any advantages in the broadcast and having a brand new, fresh pair of eyes on something that you had never seen before? Is there a way to translate that into like a a, a fun sort of look at something you knew that you've never seen that you can then translate to a bunch of viewers that frankly have probably never been to Alberta? Yeah, yeah it it was cool to see every arena for the first time, and I think i kind of was under the impression that all the new nhl arenas were the same like once you get in the bowl like they're all pretty symmetrical like there's not a ton you can do but i think seeing all of them i got to see kind of the quirks and more than anything else i tried to relay the crowd stuff whether it's like 
the things that you you know a fan base is doing that are unique. Like we got to hear a Bruce There It Is chant in Vancouver, which was awesome. And I just kind of laid out and it was like, hey, first period, Preds are down three nothing and they're yelling, Bruce, there it is here in Vancouver. And then the Preds come back to win that game, which was even better that <laughs> we get the chant, which they usually only chant when they win. And then the Preds come back and win the game. So a lot of unique stuff like that. It, it was just cool to see everything. And um, I grew up in Pittsburgh going to games at the Igloo. So I, I have a soft spot for all the old arenas and all the quirks. And there aren't really many left, but Calgary certainly has its quirks. I was going to say, a whole you, lot got, of fun. you got Calgary. That was yeah. That, yeah. that had to be pretty cool. Calgary was awesome. I mean, there's all these arenas where the broadcast is in a gondola, which <laughs> would be cool here. I don't know if it's physically possible with the structure of the building, but you are you are in front of thousands of people like you come out the back of your booth you turn around and you see 10 to 15 rows of fans behind you but you're above them so they're not obstructed by you which is just it's some of them can't see the scoreboard but they can see the ice right so it's it's more like that in most of the canadian arenas which is just such a unique vantage point like there's some places where you are you almost feel like you're over the boards just way up and then some places where you feel like you're really far back. And I, I didn't really have any views that I minded. I actually really liked some of the higher views, which other people, including Willie and Pete, have complained to me about. <laughs> and they've told me I'm crazy for not hating them, as have others. But um, Well, you're young in your I, eyesight. It must be Yeah, yeah. Good. you got good yeah, eyes. I know. Well, that's, that's what I, to, I told uh, Dan Duva, who's the Golden Knights radio broadcaster, who I worked for in the Cape Cod League that. And I made that same excuse. And he was like, no, I'm 36. I can see everything. So yeah, 30, 36 is 36 felt like a long time ago for me. And that was only a few years ago. Um, all right, real quick here, Max, we'll let you go. Obviously, congratulations on all the success, man. And obviously you've got you. a bright, bright future, but I want you to go real ra rapid fire here. Like just first thing that comes to your mind, real quick answers here. Your favorite moment as a Vanderbilt baseball broadcaster. Oh, well, do I have to be on play-by-play -play for it or anything? You have to have been in the building. Oh, in the building? Okay. Uh, Dan Dansby Swanson, ninth inning against Indiana, 2015 regional. The homer to go ahead and then the Jeter play in the hole to win the 1-0 game of that regional in the road gray uniforms in the road dugout at Hawkins Field because NCAA reasons. Uh, Nashville Predators. Is it the overtime game winner, or, or is there another one that's more memorable? Uh, well, if we're gonna go selfish, it's that. That's what um, we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're being selfish. Yeah, we'll we'll stick with that. <laughs> um, uh, Portland high school basketball favorite moment. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say the one district game they won, but I honestly don't remember <laughs> if they won. One. <laughs> Uh, high school they, did beat, they did beat White House, which was a rivalry. Uh, Cape Cod League. Cape Cod League was. Oh, our team didn't. The team I was with didn't have like any huge walk off moments, but I was with the Chathamays from Summer Catch fame, and it was the final season for our manager, John Schiffner, who's the winningest manager in league history. Actually, sadly, just got passed, but he was. He's the manager portrayed by Brian Dennehy, and they used his real name in the movie, which is awesome. So I, I think just everything involving Schiff and 
getting to stumble into a special season. With is that a Jessica Biel movie? I, I figured, yep. Yeah. Stop it. Both of you stop it. Freddie um, Prince. Best baseball <laughs> movie of all time. Oh God. Okay. We've got a whole, we've got a whole nother hour to go here, folks. Um, uh, high school football. High school football. Um, I could pick a couple. I think more of them would be stories. So I'll go with a moment instead. First round playoff game. Now, two years ago, 2021, we did Rockvale at Shelbyville and first round playoffs are kind of tough because like there aren't usually that many games that are guaranteed to be close. So we went a little further out. We've been to Shelbyville a few times and it was the first time Rockvale had ever been on TV. And at Shelbyville High School, the game, the field is the whole campus really is right on a train track. And there's kind of like industrial in the background. It's it's very Americana. It's a cool spot to begin with. But America, the rock, rock. I've, I've played at that field. I'm not sure Americana came to mind. <laughs> eh, you're not you're not enough of a play by play guy. Apparently, That's you got to learn how to play it up. But uh, Rockvale threw an 80 yard touchdown pass. And while the ball was in the air, a train came by and they sounded the horns. And that was a, a very, a very wow. sweet. Did they kinda, did he catch the pass? Did he did it mess with the wide receiver? Or did he catch the pass? It was an 80-yard touchdown. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, okay. yeah. good. I, yeah. I should listen, no, I should listen And the the field is on it is on Railroad Road. That is the street name. <laughs> Railroad Road. All right. That's awesome. Uh, Max, thank you so much, man. Uh you you've got uh, a bright future and you've accomplished a lot already. I think you're you're excellent at what you do. Appreciate you giving us some time. We do appreciate it. And uh best of luck in the future, my man. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. I listen all the time. You guys do a great job. So Shout out to everyone who's been on and so happy to be a part of it. That was Max Hers, of course, of all of the networks um, join, joining us here on the show. Do appreciate him. He has been, um, I, I mean, kind of like this. I, I don't want to say like rising up and comer, like, but just a guy that is genuinely he's, good. To he's us. he's young. You could you could say all those. Well, I just mean he's like genuinely good to people, but has always been that way. It's not like he's like you can always tell some people that are trying to work their way up that are always doing it with a with that with a little too much lather. You know what I mean? And and that's a not little, a little little Tracy Flick and election uh, uh, sort of sort <laughs> yes. of attitude there. <laughs> I guess that's right. I did rewatch that movie a little while ago. Um, she does. I always thought that she was the one I was rooting for when I used to watch it. And now I'm not. <laughs> you're not definitely you're used to definitely not be rooting. No, for her. that's no. is not the point of the movie. No, it's not my my uh, I did enjoy the uh, the American Pie guy's character way, way more the second time through like 20 years later i mean look um, i understand being charmed by reese witherspoon but she is she's not she's no. not the hero of the story no 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 it, it's just my memory of the the movie because again i'm old max hers young back to max um the opposite of of that character in election just he's been very genuine his entire way he works extremely hard and i think he's getting these opportunities i think it's a lesson in getting opportunities because a you're in the right place in the right time which we talk a lot about on the show be willing to put in as much possible work and do as much as it takes to 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 accomplish what you want to accomplish. Oh, by the way, you can do it while treating people pretty well and just being a nice person. So I, I think he he does he kind of checks all those boxes, and I think he's going to have a big a big bright future ahead of him. And being told you need to fill in for Pete Weber two days from now, uh, or I guess in this last case it was like day of. Um, that's a pretty big deal to be able to step in and and do it well. And I think he's done an extraordinary job. So well, and and to. Again, we we've said this before. 
radio hockey is hard. <laughs> I mean, radio yeah, hockey is. is really, really hard um, because you have to you have to call a lot of touches. You have to you have to constantly be letting people know where the puck is uh, and, and, and kind of who's in control and, and, and the level of control that they have. And, and it's just, it's, it's really, really tough. I have a lot of admiration for people that can do playoff hockey. Uh, I'm sorry. They can do professional hockey. You can, you can skate through high school, school basketball. Okay. You can. The no. audience, it's pretty, it's pretty low stakes. Maybe just the parents are listening uh, you know, or or calling the game, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, or you know, even uh, you know, high high school football. You, you're you're getting you're you're stepping up. A few more people are paying attention, but you know, when you get to college basketball, you get to professional hockey. But this is this is hard stuff to do, uh, and I, I'm just I'm just really impressed by by what Max has been able to do here uh, yep. at an early age. So I want to get some recommendations from you coming up. And we do appreciate Max for giving us so much of his time. Very busy couple of weeks for him, but uh, obviously a really cool time in his career. So uh, keep an eye on where he's headed. Uh, we'll get a couple of recommendations here coming up in just a second. I've got some super, super shameless ones uh, for you folks out there. But also, um, I want to kind of run through sort of the top football broadcast teams now that we've had a season that's kind of come to an end in college and pretty close to the end in the NFL. And I just want to... I've got a couple of questions for you about some of these teams and some of these broadcasters, because I feel like we're it's obviously very simple and easy and fun to jump on Twitter during games and criticize broadcasters. Certainly during the DeMar Hamlin situation, we had a lot of that. And if you want to go back and listen to Steve Lehman explain how that broadcast was nearly perfect, you should probably go check out that episode. Um, But I had a couple of questions. First of all, I think I want you to define for me, because I have a couple of adjectives that I'd like to use, but just quickly give me some traits of what you are looking for in a color analyst, because I know caption service is an insult for you <laughs> to, 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 a, to a color analyst, rightly so. Give me some adjectives. Give me, what, what makes in your mind, and I'm stalling here so you have time to think, <laughs> what, what makes a really good color analyst, in your opinion, for, in this case, football? Uh, what I want is somebody who has insight into how things work, and who can convey to me the how and why of something that I just watched happen. I can, I mean, it's interesting. I was, I watched, I just, I watched the um, all men documentary here again. And, and everybody remembers, uh, everybody remembers Madden for, you know, the, the, the sort of the boom and the, and the, the kind of the, the narration of what he was seeing, but behind all of that was an explanation that was really, really good. And, and that you, you ended up learning something there. I mean, these are people who have uh, the, in the analyst position who have played the game and who can, who can help, you know, diagnose it. This is why I, for instance, I loved watching, I watched the Manning cast for most of the wildcard game this weekend. I did too. Because, I mean, they're, they're like there was a, there was a. It also wasn't a very good game, and I didn't care what Troy and, and Troy and Joe were saying after after it, a while. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, there there was a stretch on there when when Dion was on that it was like it was like PhD level kind of stuff because that they just started talking that they just started ignoring the 
the sort of the average listener and they were talking about kind of like deep defensive concepts and and kind of what people were trying to do and and it was it was great i but mean it that, was just, but but like that okay okay you've taken us into a different place though because that that is a forum designed for that how does that like how do you how does chris collinsworth do that he can't do that can he or or well, or, is, or is what your point is is that my my point my point is that is that the is that the play by play person is always going to do the work of getting the average person up to speed. Everybody else and 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 I think that this is where this is where different leagues struggle with this, which is which is to assume how is how much assumed expertise should they have of their fan base. And I I I believe that in an NFL fan base, I mean. When my when my wife is sitting there looking at is sitting there looking at coverages and going oh they're in this, the average NFL the average NFL viewer understands a lot more than some of the analysts that they that they trot out on yeah, yeah. you know I, on an average NFL weekend. First thinking. of all, your 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 wife is a very good pre snap by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, the t- the two adjectives I wrote Easy. down it's it's, it's funny. Uh, I don't. Even, I don't even get that joke, Steve. <laughs> um, it's funny. I wrote down insight plus personality is what I wrote down, and that is largely what John Madden was, right? It's, it's right. insight. Now the key is, is that what I part of the reason caption service guy is so annoying is that these teams, for those that don't know, I think most people understand this. You have lots of meetings with coaches and players throughout the course of a week to give you a bunch of insight as to why a team is doing something. Whether it's a pre-snap look, whether it's uh, a, a certain sort of philosophy against a particular coverage, or uh, how to attack a particular quarterback, or you know whatever, they have access to the coaches and some sometimes the game plans or st- strategies that are being deployed in that game. So you have to be able to convey that insight to somebody, but also do it in like a fun, entertaining, personable way. And all these guys on all these broadcasts, men and women, are extremely polished broadcasters. So I, I'm good. That sort, that part of it sort of goes without saying. Like the ability to articulate on air smoothly, I think, is something we have to sort of like. That's just a given. Like you have to have that. I think all of them pretty much do. But it's the ability to add insight as to why, like you said, with a little bit of personality to make it fun uh, at the same time. So let me let me ask you about a few teams here because Romo caught, caught, catches a lot of flack on on Twitter. And, and did this weekend, yeah. And did this weekend for kind of I, I don't know if he was like rooting for teams or well was he, a- he he was he he caught shit for for nicknaming uh, Allen as the uh, you know Buffalo quarterback. Uh, they called him Mister January, <laughs> and people <laughs> lost their minds over it, which is so, fine. I, he, I, you know, the the rule on nicknames. And, and and Tessator did this. I mean, I don't know if you remember this. Tessator famously, like in his rookie year, started calling calling uh, Daniel Jones Danny Dimes. And well, uh, Gus Gus Johnson calls uh, the receiver for Purdue caught like a hundred passes this year. Charlie mm-hmm. Jones calls him Chuck Sizzle. Uh, Chuck Sizzle, and he's like yelling. And okay, fine. I, don't, I mean, but Gus Johnson can get away with that. No, virtually nobody else can. Right. And even Gus can't right. do it all the time. But but I mean, you should think about you should think about nicknames. This is just kind of a, a bit of advice. Think about nicknames like like call signs in uh, in like Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> you don't get to name. You don't get to give people your you you don't get to come up with your own call yeah. sign. Yeah. You know, everybody else kind of has to. It's like kind of has to come up with it and it has to be approved and so forth. You don't get to just like start calling somebody Danny Dimes out of the uh, out of the thing. You can't. And, and for Romo, I mean, you can't just 
call him Mr. January. If, if he had floated that to like a producer, I think I think a lot of other producers, yeah. I think a lot of people around him would have gone. Eh, I also, don't know about Josh about, Allen. Like, his three and three in his playoff career. I was gonna say Josh Allen probably needs to beat Patrick Mahomes first before he's Mr. January. But right. um, I and I like Josh Allen. I was so I was on the air during the entire game, so I never I didn't hear a word. Of it, but I could see it being just you know people kind of piling on Romo for being a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I here's my thought on Romo. I, I think Romo is fine. I think he's a fine broadcaster, but I've always thought he was overrated from the beginning. I think he had like two or three games where he made a couple of you know pre-snap reads, like a ten-year veteran quarterback would do, and and like called a couple of plays. And then from then on, he was like the the patron saint of all television broadcasts. I think Jim Nance is has a wonderful voice to listen to on the Masters <laughs> on golf. I I'm kind of I just the Jim Nance Tony Romo crew is kind of just there for me. They don't add a whole lot for me. I don't love them. I don't hate them. And maybe that's a sign of a, a solid broadcast team. They don't really bother me all that much. But I also don't understand the love affair. Low, low with, key, with, low, with Tony low key, the best CBS crew I think is Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, and in so, part because because I like because I like Harlan a lot, um, and, and I think Trent Green does a good job. But so I wanted to bring that because I think I, I think Kevin Harlan might be the might be that might be one of the best broadcast teams in the entire NFL. So the other yeah. obviously Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson. I have a soft spot for Kevin Burkhart because I think. He's a part of the best local broadcast ever assembled, which is Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, and Kevin Burkhart. The four of them <laughs> were on one broadcast for for Mets games for a couple of years there. And as a Mets fan, that that was that. I think Gary Cohen is one of the best local broadcasters in the history of professional sports. Um, and Burkhart has risen rapidly to the top of the ranks. I'm waiting for. I think Olson's kind of finding his footing a little bit, but I think there's he, a lot of he is. There's a lot I of promise there. There's a lot of promise there. I, I thought that the game they called over the weekend uh, was they were very good. Very, very all right. Good. Let me let me ask you this: uh, Kirk Herbstreit, better? I, I college football on Saturday nights with Chris Fowler, Thursday nights with Al Michaels. Um, I I think he's still. I think he's still. Uh, I, I, the, the, there's a lot of criticism of of him that he sounded like he'd never seen an NFL NFL game before. I, I don't think that's right. Um, but he's definitely more comfortable on the college piece of it, and he's there. I think adding energy uh, to you know a sometimes disinterested Al Michaels on Thursday night. <laughs> Al uh, is so, Al is not the same. <laughs> Al 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 Al's got a check. Uh, but. Herbstreit was Herbstreit was fine on Thursday nights. I, I I wish he was as authoritative as he is sometimes on on I, on that NFL. It, uh, I mean, I'm oh, sorry on on the uh, on college, college football. Broadcast. It's it's what I like. The the one thing I like about the broadcast, which makes me which makes me part of the very narrow audience that this probably appeals to, which is like when he is able to give the backstory and the human side of a player because he knows them so well from college. That's what hits me in my sweet spot. But again, like I'm very small slice of the audience that's watching that game. I think he's far better on Saturdays. I think he's far better on college. Authoritative is a good word. He feels very comfortable, knows the coaches, has had a lot of open conversations with them, offers a lot of insight. I think he's still getting his footing yeah. in the in the NFL. His, his context is almost unbeatable in a, in a, in a, in the yeah. booth with Fowler. In the NFL booth, he's he, he's he's good. But I mean, I, again, I, I'm looking for. I'm looking for like graduate level stuff in an NFL booth. Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth. I think Mike Tirico is still one of the best guys on this I list. Do too. But Collinsworth has gotten some John Gruden vibes to him where everyone is just amazing. 
And while I, I enjoy his energy, I think it's good, positive energy and personality. I don't, I don't think I learn anything. And my, that's my, that's my, my problem issue. with Collinsworth is, is I've heard uh, Bill Simmons do a Collinsworth impression too many times now. And now all <laughs> I can hear when Collinsworth does is, is I can hear Bill Simmons impression of him. You know, you know, Mike. I mean, just, <laughs> just the kind of the incredulousness of it. I, I think we've learned in the last two weeks that Joe Buck is still probably the best football play-by-play man in the business. Is that fair to I, say? After after that uh, after that Buffalo game, Buck stays at number one for a long time. Where does Aikman rank amongst the other names that we've discussed from a color side of things? He's up there. He's he's really good. Uh, he. A- Aikman will 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 diag will diagnose a play really really well, uh, and, and tell you you know the the what I want to know is the why. Like for instance, I forget which crew it was was talking about the Giants' plan to pass on first down and and how that opened up the rest of the offense, and they kept returning to it in at different parts throughout the game, and like. When you can when you can do that and you can show me exactly yeah. how they're 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 causing defensive formations to change and point it out on screen, I'm with you. Let's go. Uh in the college world, I think that is that probably the best football broadcast crew right now going on college or pro, any network. Is it is it Buck and Aikman probably? Um because I mean I don't I don't think there's anybody in I mean Fowler are and you her saying, pre- are you saying it's not Andrew Catalan and James Lofton? What about Ian Eagle and Charles Davis? Uh, Ian Eagle's fine. I love. I like Ian Eagle. Um, I, I think. I think Harlan and I think Harlan and Green, Burkhart and Olson are very underrated in this conversation. Uh, but I do think it's Buck and Aikman, and that's probably why they got the biggest contract uh, of the group as well. I mean, honestly, uh, the 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 team that the team that I want to listen to more than most is Sean McDonough. Oh, he's very he's 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 very good. Uh, on, uh, Sean McDonough on on ABC broadcasts uh, is just, and he would just, be te- he would technically be like the second or third team in theory, because yeah, I, Fow- Fowler is a top team, and then you got, uh, I mean, obviously he's not he's ABC, but like Gus and Joel do the big noon kickoff for Fox, um, and I I think Gus and Joel are an acquired taste. <laughs> I mean, I mean, technically, I mean, technically they are listed as the as the as espn's uh college football saturday primetime team he and todd blackledge and part of his blackledge is really good see i think um, he's i think he's been around so long that i'm kind of just numb to him he's very good dude and he's very smart but like i think they, McDonough, i think i think you're right to point out mcdonough is one of the best in the game that that crew has i think molly mcgrath and todd mcshay on the sidelines too who who do a pretty good job who add something to a sideline uh gig that sometimes yeah, I mean, some some sideline reporters are kind of mailing it in. Uh, the, I I think they do. I think they do a pretty good job. But but I but I like McDonough a lot. I I, I, I think I, I think he I think he got unfairly labeled after the Monday Night Football gig. I, I think that's probably fair. Uh, Gus and Joel, I think it's very entertaining. I think they're both extremely professional. I think they do their jobs very well. I think they're far more of homers for the Big Ten than people realize, and for the Pac-12 because of Fox's heavy heavy financial investment in that conference. Um, I know our, the argument would be the the ESPN and SEC are the same way, but I do not think that Fowler and Herb Street are, are. I think they are very down the middle when it comes to broadcasting a game. Whereas I can hear Joel Klatt, who played at Colorado and is technically now a Pac-12 guy. I, I think they are a little bit homerish for the two leagues that they broadcast for, but that's fine. I, I think it's okay. I think Gus is great when he's accurate. 
I think he occasionally misses too much stuff and is yeah. over, overreacting. He's be, he's being it's the, the flamboyant. Show. Yeah, like he's being the flamboyant Gus that we love. But like, if the pass is incomplete, you can't tell me that like he tightrope the sideline, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, know? and and uh, somebody else I want to single out, and you got to see them uh, because ESPN ran two crews over the weekend. So you had you had Buck and Aikman here on on Monday night, but you had the old MNF crew which was Levy and Riddick, but because Brian Greasy is now the quarterback's coach for the, for the 49ers, they've subbed in Dan Orlovsky and I like Orlovsky a lot. Really? Okay. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's super nerdy. Uh, and, and I, I think he, I, I think he's, I, I think he leans into that part of it. I think he's um, too, here's, here's my thing about him. I, I agree with you. He's very good broadcaster very nerdy i think he's too media savvy you know what i mean like he's so good on being on air on like nfl prime time or like those nfl shows where he's as an analyst right like he's so good i think he understands the game of media almost too much because i because a broadcast is not designed to be you know like a like an opinion show right right uh, but but and i think lewis riddick actually is a little underrated i think he's pretty good too um when it comes to that i can i i love levy giving me hockey highlights that's what i yeah. like with steve levy um, I, I I'm 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 I will always be a, a Levy fan for for his for his his old NHL on ESPN uh, kind of commentary and, and, and like uh, like his level of excitement in the NHL playoffs is just phenomenal. Yes, and spe- and speaking of uh, hockey, real quickly, as the greatest broadcaster in the history of play-by-play sports, maybe in any sport ever. Yes, this includes probably Vin Scully and Howard Cosell and Keith Jackson, Doc Emmerich. Absolutely, I still think the greatest play-by-play sports broadcaster in the history of American professional sports. Just my opinion. I think the I think we are missing him, and uh, he's still alive, obviously. But like, I miss him on broadcast. <laughs> right. He's not dead. I miss him on broadcast. Uh, um, what about SEC guys? Uh, uh, what do you, I think Tom Hart is 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 pretty good. I think Rogers is pretty good. I think Cole Kublik is amazing on the sidelines. I think that's a good crew. It's a little sticky. I think for the, for the average person over the age of like 35, I think it could be a little sticky because uh, they're always doing some goofy stuff. And I, I kind of know those three. And so I know why they're doing all that stuff. Because that, that crew, genuine. Uh, that crew, I'm watching for Cole because because Jordan. I think, Rogers Tom, drives I, think me, I think Tom does a good job. Jordan Rogers drives me nuts. Uh, I, 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 Tom's 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 pretty good. Um I, again, I I think the I, I think the the better I think the better team is is Dave McNeil and I think it's Deuce McAllister. I do like Dave uh, McNeil a lot. Uh, all right, real quickly here because we're running long. Um, underrated names to remember to, to I want to throw out there that are in other sports just real quickly. I think Mike Breen does a really really good job for the NBA. I think Doris Burke does a really good job. Let me ask. Let me ask. Let me make a. Here's a hot take for you. Is Jay Billis the best color analyst in any sport going right now? Jay Billis is the most entertaining. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, I will. I, I will. I will leave a telecast on longer that 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 I that I don't care about who's playing, if if Billis is calling it, um, because Billis is going to say something that that will entertain me. Uh, Billis remind Billis right now reminds me of kind of like pre caricature Bill Walton, um, <laughs> with uh, with, and, with a law with a law degree. Yeah. Now, 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 Walton, Walton is still highly entertaining. And if you can catch him on some of these Pac-12 um, broadcasts, 
that I forget. I forget who has it. Uh, you just have, you, you have to be willing to listen to the asides and the soliloquies and all the other yeah. stuff. And if you're into that, then it's great. Um, especially if you don't care about Oregon and Utah basketball, <laughs> <laughs> right? But but uh, but I like Billis a lot. I mean, I think he's great. And, I think he's great. And, and I think and part of the reason why is like I, Billis has been willing to stick his neck out on on line for some on on different issues over the years. That you know, I don't always agree with him, but but I, I really respect. What's fascinating uh, is is there's two things that happens with broadcast teams that I don't think we really understand as fans that are happening. Number one, what you just said, which is like sort of my personal opinion of the person outside of the broadcast has affected my enjoyment level of him. But 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 also like some people's voices just like I, for whatever reason, Jimmy Dykes, I just it just I think he's a wonderful guy. I think he's a smart guy for whatever reason, his voice and the things he says, I just it doesn't land on me very well. And I don't. <laughs> Like, it's just not fair. It's not fair to him. It just there's certain voices that like you either love Gus Johnson or you don't. Um, I think it's literally the sound of your voice can turn people off. And then also like who you are out, like who you are outside of the broadcast booth should not affect how people listen to you. But it does. And and that's, you know, that's a, that's a weird part of this whole you know process as well. Billis, uh, this is the ultimate compliment I can give. I can give Jay Billis. Uh, he makes me. He makes me not care that I hate Duke that much. <laughs> I mean, pretty, he's pretty he's high that compliment. Uh, Adam Amin, by the way, who I believe is doing NBA. He's on an NBA local broadcast. I think for the Bulls, maybe. I or the. I can't remember who it is, but yeah, Adam, he's the number. He was the he was the number three team on Fox this year. Adam Amin is very good. I think he's a really good broadcaster. He's, yeah. And I always love it when they put him next to a really tall player in the NFL because <laughs> he's, he's a short dude. But Adam Amin is very very good as well. So there you go. All right, just a just a, just a temp check. Uh, of some of the broadcast booths and uh, people love this stuff. So I figured we'd have a little conversation about it. Uh, Mike, my quick two um, uh, very sh- shameless promotions here are of course, check out Zach Lyons, new Substack, stacking the inbox. He already has an entire article up about the Titans, new general manager, Rand Carthon, uh, all the different types of stuff uh, from him. He is kind of go out, going out on his own to start that thing. He's obviously a part of the 440 sports networks. Check out his Substack there. You can check it out on Twitter at F-Words Pod and Stacking the Inbox, of course, is the name of the Substack. And welcome to the network. Make sure you're listening to the Paul Kaharski Podcast. Best friend of me, Paul Kaharski, on the network, baby. Go check out the show. Obviously, he he's covered this team as as well as anybody has for over two decades. I don't know why. You, if you're a Titans fan. There's, there's nobody with more perspective about yeah, the, the I, Titans than Kaharski. There's just not. And we've uh, got a, and we've got a lot of cool stuff planned. So there's going to be some new products and some development going on. So, uh Become a member, paulkarski.com, and now I'm shilling for the Paul Kaharski podcast. Really, I'm excited about that, uh, and, and I'm uh, and I'm really excited. Uh, PK is is over here. Uh, that's uh, that when when uh, when you you kind of sent me that a few weeks ago, I was just just tickled, absolutely tickled. That's great. It's good to have him on board. Um, okay, Steve, what you got for the good people, and we'll send them on their merry way this weekend. So so there's two things you got to read. Uh, one is. Uh, and 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 I, I tweeted this out here uh, last week, uh, and and I'll I'll, re, I'll retweet it here on Friday just to make sure people see it. Um, There's a Science Magazine article that's fascinating. Uh, the headline on it is that Exxon scientists accurately predicted global warming and temperature rises and the effects going back into like the 60s and 70s. Just Timmy. Back here for one second. I was covering a I was covering a trial. It was a tobacco trial 
down in Florida. I was covering this like like 2014, 2015. Expert witness is on the is on the stands. He's talking about working for uh talking about working for a congressional committee, and they had been able to uh subpoena the the research from tobacco companies. And they had this uh and this expert is sitting there in the in the offices of a, a congressman and he's looking at it coming over the fax machine, all of this original research. And and he had been honored for his research into the effects of tobacco and kind of the harms that it would cause. And he starts looking at all this and he's just blown away by like the quality of the research and the fact that it predated his by like 20 years. All of these all of these companies <laughs> that do this research? No. You mean the ones that have billions on the line? <laughs> the the tobacco companies, and this is this is part of it. The tobacco companies knew what they were doing. They I got, knew that they were addicted, getting people addicted, and they knew it was harmful. I got I got one better than climate the, change for you. I got one better. The, the 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 oil companies have known for oh, sure, sure. decades, for a half century now, what global warming is, what the effects of it will be, and have accurately predict, predicted the uh, predicted the effects of human caused change to the 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 environment, and it, it just it makes you real. And meanwhile, you know all of the shills and and the PR um, folks out front. Are talking about no 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 there's no connection here and well when they knew there's and, there's, and there's, there's largely one uh, group of people in the entire world in any country that that have been on that PR campaign and it's just in ours um, I, can I put one on parallel track with that sure uh, do not tell me that Zuck and Bezos <laughs> and Elon and all these folks the the China owns TikTok. Do not tell me that they don't know all of these staggeringly powerful algorithms and what algorithms and what they do to our brains. Do they? They all know. Every single one of them knows. Every single one. They have the research, and we've seen some of it. We haven't seen all of it. Uh, it's not going to be any different than tobacco. It's not. It's not going to be any different when it all yeah. comes out. So, yep. um, all right. So what's anyway, the article? So, so, science, so, it's, what? so, so it's a science magazine article. It's, it's outside their paywall here for like two weeks. And so like I said, I'll tweet it. I'll tweet out the link. Uh, take a look at it. The uh, other also, one. Also follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Also follow me on Twitter. <laughs> at, at at Cavendish. Cavendish. Um, the other one is this, and it's so much fun. There's a ringer story about the 30th anniversary of the monorail episode of the Simpsons. Oh my God. And it was written by Conan O'Brien at, at that point, a 27 year old uh, writer for uh, for for the for the show. And so th there's a lot of if you're a Simpsons fan at all, uh, the, the 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 show goes from like the first two to three seasons being this kind of like very tight kind of like family centered sort of kind of cartoon sitcom. To by the fourth season, they start to really embrace things. And there's a couple of different things. And, and they have an extensive interview with O'Brien. And he talks about he wanted to marry a couple of things, one of which was he was a, is a lifelong fan of the music man. And so you get the musical in there, you know, the, the Phil Hartman monorail, monorail, uh, th that whole song <laughs> in there. Uh, and then 
he was also a fan of all of the 70s disaster movies like the Poseidon Adventure and Towering Inferno and kind of like the disaster scene that happens when the uh you know the 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 kickoff of the monorail and the, there's all the celebrities that are there and the, and it talks about like wanting to marry kind of like all these different concepts into one single episode God. and he goes in and pitches it thinking oh, i'm gonna get shot down whatever else and not only do they bite but they like start throwing more ideas at it and it, it it's a great insight into kind of just like how funny conan o'brien is but also just like kind of like one of the like the little genius pieces of television it's a great it's a great kind of piece and, and if you haven't seen that episode in a while just go to youtube and call up monorail song uh it's it's just one of the, one of the best re- written things you'll 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 hear in a long I, time. I am constantly astounded at the amount of consumption that you do when it comes to like just all things like history, music. You're extremely well read, smart guy, but you clearly are definitely the non breeder on the pod. <laughs> I'm, I do not have children. No. Because I, every time you make these great recommendations, I'm always like, God, I want to read that. Oh, I want to watch that. Oh, I want to do this, and then never have any time. And I'm like, Yeah, listen to Justin Towns Earl. <laughs> but see, but, but see, here, here's here's the here's the oh. sneak attack you can do. Uh, you can because you have a Disney Plus subscription. Oh, of course I do. Uh, as an as a as a Disney employee, <laughs> you can you can you can watch the monorail episode yes, with I your can. children. Yes, I can. Uh, also, uh, I, I realized every single episode of South Park is on HBO Max, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, oh no! I mean, no, no, that's a I'm, rabbit hole I can't go down. I've been spending a lot I mean, of time. I, I mean, I don't need. I, I will lose like hours. Yeah, so. I've been spending a lot of time between eleven fifteen and twelve oh five with my guys from Colorado. Um, okay. Anyway, all right. I, I'll tweet out that link too. Uh, yep. It's uh, it's it's just it's a very fun piece to read. You should check it out. Uh, and I've got a, a million things on the, the effects of social media. I've, I've recommended the offline podcast with John Favreau is an extraordinary uh, study into how the Internet's breaking our brain. I've got a ton of that stuff. So if anybody wants to talk at Braden Gall, get to me on Twitter. <laughs> we can talk about how social media is breaking our brain on social media. Uh, thanks to, to Max Hers for giving us some time. We appreciate it. Um, for Steve Cavendish, my name is Braden Gall. Go to Jasper's, everybody, of course. Take your kids. They'll babysit for you. You can have a peaceful meal. It's tremendous. It's great. And the parking is free. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.